should do it. Oh, I should hey. be. I should do it in a more ominous voice. Hello. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, hello. Welcome. Episode six. 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 Whoa. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> Evil laughter. Hello. Yes. Six six six. It's finally here. We yes. were not able to time it for Halloween, which was very unfortunate. Yeah, I still am wearing my Halloween attire. Yeah, we'll take what we can get. Um, yeah. Susan here, Brain Candy Podcast. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing well. I am uh, really excited because it's snowing over here, but I'm really not excited that. because my ankles still need some rest before. How can you tell? Skiing on Thursday. Because I can't run. I can't, like, do anything that requires me to actively use it. Because like, it's painful or weak or what? Both. Nuh-uh. Yeah, it's real stupid. So I have, like, another month, and I just want to be out there and having fun. But it's really dumb. How long do you think you have to wait? Till Christmas or something? Yeah, maybe, like, a month. Really? Mm. Uh, I'm trying to strengthen it. I'm doing my exercises, doing the things, but yeah, it's fine. Time heals back to normal. Time, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. That is right. But that is like the the only thing I have to complain about. Everything else is amazing and wonderful, and life is great. Good, my God, that is not the vibe we want for six six six. I I know. I was trying to like bring a more morbid one, and (laughs) my ankles. Busted. Destroyed. Destroyed. No, I yeah. I can't. I can't. Yes. How are you, Suze? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I've, I'm still recovering, I feel like, from our whirlwind Chicago adventure. We had a hilarious moment that I keep reliving where we got a notice from the Airbnb that we had to oh, bring this was funny. the chairs in. It was like on the 18th floor of a building, and we had to bring the chairs in from the balcony because of you know windy city situation it was like a wind advisory or something and they weren't kidding when they called the windy city yeah i i what is that the lake effect or something what is that 52 miles an hour i have no clue it It was news to me that chicago was on the water really yeah i i i knew there was a river (laughs) but i didn't know like it was it's it's not my proudest moment well, you know what? Live and learn. And I was like, what's that? I know it's not an ocean. They were like, well. <laughs> yeah, it's a lake and it tell is you. pretty great. Might yeah. not be an ocean. Yes. And it must be that lake that causes the wind because it really was like we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, like we were on the 18th floor and they said these could blow off. Could you imagine walking below and getting hit by a chair? It seems like when you pick it up, that means I could blow off. You know what I mean? Like, (gasps) this seems like danger zone. Like a small dog definitely getting picked up. Doomed. Right. Yes. But it was very funny because I I was in my jammies by then, I think. Yes, we were all in our jammies. Well, we we were not in jammies. We were in, well, they were jammies, but they were all the matching T-shirts Oh, yeah. That our wonderful brainiacs made for Susie in support of Susie for the comedy show. Yeah, she also got. They also got for uh, Eli and Adam Lincoln me. We I were mean, all decked out, so cute. And so, of course, we all had to put them on and take yes. photos. Yeah, you'll... so we all went to bed in our Susie PJs. So cute. 
But, like, everything's funnier with Sarah. She just, like, invites hilarity, and that is just a good time. Good times yeah, were well, had by long. all. We, we managed to find it wherever we go. And yeah. so it was great. Yes. Okay. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Okay, let's get started here. Mm, I guess I'll start with you know satanic panic because oh yeah, that's what we were Love going this. to talk about. Let me see if I can find the article. I was reading about it, and I mean, I am pretty familiar with it because I grew up in the evangelical church, which, and so satanic panic was like a really big deal in the eighties. And I wondered if you were even touched by any of this nonsense. It's funny because it almost feels like my mom and dad enjoyed, like, the Hollywood novelty side of it. Like, what side is that? Like, so my mom worked on the movie Teen Witch, which kind of had a little bit of that you know, that there, this was like a time where poltergeist came out and all of these movies like centered around, like if you contact the dead, like, Oh, bad stuff will happen. Or like, you know, it's like Satan and like mm-hmm. witches and seances and stuff like yeah. that. And I think so much of that was maybe, well, you tell me, let me ask you this before I come up with Sarah's got a theory over here. What made it, what like piqued our interest in that? Why did this? Why did this become a thing? What was happening they, socially or like? The article that I was reading was in Vox, and it was uh, like about the history of Satanic Panic, and they centered or they they proclaimed that the genesis was kind of like the Charlie Manson, the Charles Manson cult thing, where it was like these seemingly nice kids became murderers just at the behest of this madman who never actually killed anyone and so it made people start becoming interested in like how the you know your mind can be controlled by other people or other things i don't know i I don't yeah i think that was and i feel like the the there were a lot of horror movies and like the movies that came out about around that time or right after that kind of played into that yeah, and I, I think they're arguing that that inspired some of those movies. 100%. Yeah. And my parents were the ones making them. 
So do you think they had a sense of like, this is all baloney? Yes. Really? Because I remember in when I was very young. So this was like eight or probably five, not very, very young, but like five through 10 when like, this is like mid to late eighties. Yeah. And there was a lot of effort put into Halloween at my house that then went away later. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it felt different, like Halloween part. And not just because I was a kid. It wasn't just that like, oh yeah, when we're younger, we have like a memory of it. It's different. I look at photos and, you know, the parents tell stories about it. And it was like, yeah, for me, it was like the late 80s where it seemed like my parents and their friends were really into the... Like that as a theme for like Halloween and parties and well, I mean you've stuff framed like it that. before, and I think accurately that when your mom works in wardrobe and your dad works in set design, I mean Halloween right. is pretty much the Hello. perfect holiday for your family. perfect holiday. Yeah, so it felt like they were into these kind of stories. You know, they worked in like it's like Poltergeist and Teen Witch and all these like kind of horror movies. Where when did you first start watching horror movies though? Young. And you didn't mind. You loved it. Yeah. I can remember. Yeah. It was my dad's like best friend. One of my, and my friend growing up, he had daughter, my friend growing up, we would watch horror movies. Like, but it was always explained to us very clearly how they did it and that it was fake. Mm -hmm. That was a Mm bit. And I recently watched, I watched Hellraiser. I had never seen Hellraiser before, but I watched that this Halloween and like the very first one, I think it came out in 1987. The, the special effects are so bad (laughs) that it's very easy to explain to a child and get them to understand that this isn't real. Yeah. I don't think you could do that. I was thinking about that in watching this. I was like, I remember being younger and watching these like horror movies and it being like, Oh, that's like, obviously corn syrup that's red and da, da, da. and like they've made sure to explain those kind of things okay. but i don't think you'd be able to do that with some of the special effects stuff that we have and like the cgi that we yeah, have now, now it's way more realistic it's too hard to say like don't i mean you could say yeah it's made on the computer just like a cartoon i guess that's helpful mm-hmm. but that was what did it for me that's what made it okay is because i we would go to set and see these things getting made. Like I remember seeing some like headless special effects thing at one of the jobs my dad did. And then I was like, Oh, all that stuff. Yeah. You saw it made everything you like. Yes. 100%. Mm -hmm. You know, were you though familiar because I am almost a 100% sure that the, one of the biggest parts of satanic panic happened in Manhattan beach at a daycare. Are you familiar with this story? This rings a bell. I don't know why it happened there in particular, but there was this huge thing where, like, kids were, little kids at this daycare, toddlers, were um, interviewed and kind of, like, coerced into claiming that the daycare workers were performing these satanic rituals and, like, real crazy stuff like flushing kids down the toilet, which... obviously wasn't real. I can't believe this ever became a thing, but it became a national fear mongering thing where people actually went to prison 
And some of them are still in prison, even though, like, everyone knows this didn't happen. What? Because when you have 40 kids saying somebody's performing these rituals, I guess it becomes believable enough, even if there's no other evidence. And oh my god! Like it was they they said they created tunnels and would take these kids down to these tunnels and perform these crazy rituals and it's obviously not happening. But yeah, they for a period of time people believed it and thought it was like an epidemic that there was all these people in cults. To what? To what? For what? Like what's the end game? Well, I mean they. Said it was the occult that it was they were in Just a dance with the devil. They're making Just... sacrifices to the devil, and they so that you what get everything you want and live forever. What's the what? That's what I, it's like. Well, or what? In this, I suppose it's in the same way that maybe in the you know like the Old Testament when they would do um, sacrificing of mm-hmm. animals and things mm-hmm. um, as an offering to okay, your. I see. Yeah, we're making an offering to. But believe me, I'm not. I don't understand any of this. It's bonkers. Um, and and it just sort of snowballed. So like you're saying, there was the pop culture side of it. So people had this interest. And it, I guess it was real enough that they thought maybe it was happening. And then they they started to think that it was like pervasive. Like rock music had occult yes. themes, you know? Oh, gosh. There's no better movie or opening scene than the opening scene to the movie Detroit Rock City. Have you seen this movie? I don't think so. Oh, where this church-going mom puts on what she believes is like probably Brian Wilson, and like <laughs> right, yeah, which is extra funny if you're a Patreon <laughs> member and that's the sweatshirt Su- Susie is wearing right now. Yeah, and um, you know goes to put on some like calming, soothing album and. Uh, it's kiss and mm-hmm. she freaks out and and just like loses her mind and you know bans her child from ever listening to what she calls knights and satan service and then she thinks she's like convinced that all the lyrics it's so great it's such a great movie and well, and like this, this is real like and i always talk about it how we had to watch that documentary at school called hell's bells about the danger of like it was mostly like heavy metal as if we were listening to that yeah (laughs) and um it's bizarre but in the christian church there was this guy named mike warnke that was very famous who claimed that he had been a high priest in the church Uh, of satan um and that they performed all these rituals and all that jazz and then he you know was saved by the blood of jesus Mm. and he became like a best-selling author of a book about it, but then also like a Christian comedian, which you can imagine what that would be like. Oh, goodness. Like, have you ever seen a religious comedian? Nope. <laughs> Tell me. I've got to... Have I seen a religious I comedian? Mean, I don't know. Do you count? Every, <laughs> every so often, they're not too bad, but they do a lot of like content about like inside jokes in the church. And okay. and biblical stories like they'll do jokes about Bible. I stories. could not even imagine my the only jokes that I have about biblical stories are like come on really? <laughs> that whale. You, you're trying come to on. tell me, yeah, Virgin Birth, huh? 
Right. Yeah. Okay, Mary. Uh, yes. It's not, it's not like high caliber. It's not like Dave Chappelle or something. You know what I mean? Right. But anyway, of course, eventually he was exposed as a fraud and he had never been in the state, okay. the church of Satan or whatever. Then you're familiar, of course, with Anton LaVey, right? The guy that created the church of Satan, Satanism, right? Yeah, I am. But not like, I mean, just if I saw his picture and you, as you kind of tell me, but I don't yeah. know his story. I mean, I don't know his real story. I just know that he was this famous character who Christians were very scared of. And that was part of what was weird about it for me was there's this sense of you, it wasn't like they were saying that's crazy. Satanism is in a thing. They were saying like, it is a thing and we should be scared of it. Um, mm -hmm. and like, kind of like how my mom was afraid of, um, yoga and meditation because it's so powerful that it's like scary yeah. rather yeah. than just, or even, um, psychics and stuff like yeah. that. It's not that they don't believe in it. They do. They, they just but think you like should avoid it. Should like a Ouija board. Don't you touch that yeah. thing. Yeah. I'll tell you what you should touch. And yeah, that is me. gorgeous luggage from <gasps> base. Mm. We both mm. brought base bags to Chicago, as a matter of fact. Yes. The Weekender. Amazing. Love. First of all, you can fit so much in it. That's what I, I love a bag. I think Mary Poppins. Me too. I'm yeah. Like, and then, and then they're like, I love being the person who doesn't have everything like spilling out of the bag like crazy. <laughs> there are very appropriate pockets. And what I love more than anything on a bag, I feel like it looks so classy and makes me feel like so fancy is a shoe compartment. Yeah. The bottom that zips open. Right. Right. Shoes are gross. This changes everything. Changes everything. Yes. Need shoes to put my are shoes gross. down there. Even though I and wear it's them It's actually in the house. big enough to hold my big old combat boots and a pair of tennis and it held my dirty laundry. No, for I real. Still... Like what she's saying is true. It felt like the Mary Poppins carpet bag were like, I can't believe I could fit more stuff in here. Mm. Just in the bottom, quality. I also put my hair dryer and my makeup and my toiletries. Like, all that crap is separate then. It's yes. just a really high-quality bag. They have tons of styles, though, not just the Weekender. They have, you know, roller bags, and they're beautiful colors. And it's um, just built with great design. Like, did you see on the Weekender how they have the thing where you can put the, it on a roller bag? Like, but did the, I see it? Yeah. It's all I used all weekend, and the one time. I was like, I just won't, I'll just put it on top and wheel it. Nope. Whole thing, like this, you know, my suitcase fell over because that's exactly what it's designed for. And I always said, man, I just need one of those bags that has that little slot. So yeah. you get like the little slot. Mm -hmm. So, and I felt so, I can't even tell you how fancy I felt in my long coat, like going through the airport with my wheelie roller that like actually smoothly rolls Shoes and my and weekend bag. Red. Oh, I look, I felt. And so fancy. their luggage has built-in weight indicators. Really? So then you know if your bag's over, wait. Oh! Which, thank the good Lord or Satan yeah. for this episode. Because, like, man, they are yep. getting every penny they can over there at the old airlines with the overweight <laughs> luggage. And their their luggage has washable bags for your dirty clothes as well. It's just really practical, and they've thought of everything. And right now... Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash brain candy. Go to basetravel.com slash brain candy for 15% off your first purchase. That's B E I S 
travel.com slash brain candy would make a great gift. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, yeah. So then there was all that jazz about Satan and Satanism. And it just, I, what interests me is the way that these things are important and what they signify. And they are a way that people deal with their fears about Mm -hmm. lots of things like mainly social structures. Like there's always like a a gay element where they are afraid of like the destruction of the nuclear family. Like women are going, this was in the eighties, like more women were working outside the home. There was AIDS. There was a lot of things Uh, that made them feel like uh this world is going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak. And it's because of Satan and all this rock music and they're corrupting our children and they're doing is all this. Is this crazy. one of those situations of like we've talked about how when you feel anxious, your mind and there's no lion chasing you, you still need to attach it to something. Mm-hmm. So all that fear and anxiety, you look around your environment and go, I know it must be this. We've kind of like joked like, I know it must be somebody's mad at me and like, let me go through what somebody's mad before is this kind of similar to that of just like a projection of yeah and i think also there's an element of um just that fear that you have of the other like exploiting our evolutionary Uh, um yes how our brains aren't caught up to life now and so there's this thing where we're afraid of the other because it served our survival at one time but right. now that means that we're kind of afraid of the gay agenda or like right. <laughs> women taking too much power from their husbands or whatever. Like that's part of the witch stuff. The only thing I see in the actual gay agenda is like better hygiene for men, like <laughs> nicer interior spaces, like and a decent glass of wine. I th- I'm for th- I I, this no is also problem. Sarah's agenda. <laughs> but any of those fears like – of the other can be really destructive. And then there was also like, they started putting kidnapped kids pictures on the milk cartons and stuff. Yeah. And so I think there was, even though there was less kidnappings, Uh, there uh was more awareness of missing children. And so there was just like this fear basically. Mm -hmm. And so this article is actually trying to connect the dots of how we don't have this specific narrow version of it now but we have other ones there's conspiracy theories now about even like pizzagate like yeah oh, they're, they're i was thinking the same. And- that's what i was thinking and they're, they're and why is that such a common like theme mm-hmm. where we're taking kids it's some sort of blood ritual and it's for like everlasting youth <laughs> something like that right and it's this is like since the dawn of time i feel like we've had this like yeah, and like they pointed out how even though they'll say like hashtag save the children or whatever, they use these sort of like seemingly good messages. But then, you know, in the daycare incidents where the kids like were being interrogated and if the mm-hmm. kids didn't say the thing, mm-hmm. they would be pressured over time into saying Which what's really traumatic. For so it's kid. like nobody's actually even listening to these kids. Right. It's more the adults having these fears and not knowing what to do. So as a result, I couldn't listen to Pink Floyd is what happened. (laughs) 
Really? <laughs> like Pink be- Floyd was the one that was... That was a big was one. The- you know that one, the brick in the wall one? Mm-hmm. For some reason, that was in Hell's Bells a lot. We don't need no education. Now I feel like that's their whole message. Is that oh, they don't want it. So I don't right. know what happened there. But <laughs> at, the, at the time, that was like a real scary thing. Just how like the kids were not, were going to be terrible and zombies and whatever. Man. I, it just seems, there really is this. Okay. Okay. You know, so much of, of what you've kind of talked to me about or showed me about religion. And even in the, you go and visit a, a church or cathedral in Europe and you kind of feel this, that you're very powerless. You're, mm-hmm. The power is in, like, if you just kind of give up your power to those who are in higher places than you, then you'll be okay. That there would always be this fear that there is another. You hit the nail on the head. Okay. And I totally forgot that it said this in the article, but it said some some expert said that people that are drawn to conspiracy theories mm. are often the people who want like to not have to think about it. Yeah, like they don't somebody want to be the one else because they're not. Yeah, is has told them this and that settles it. Yeah, and I never. They're not asking why. Yeah, and it's just like okay, this. Oh, now I get it. It's all sorted already. Somebody figured it out, and for some reason, it provides them some relief. I don't get Mm. that part, but that's really interesting. I wonder what creates that. That because really, it's like a curiosity or a. A critical thinking. Like, that's got to be what makes you go, hmm, but why? Mm. And I think and that seems like very, hu- a, like a big part of human nature. You know, I, when kids go through that stage where they're just like, why, 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 why? I never grew you out know? of that. Yeah, I Honestly. know. It's great. Yeah. What was what were the answers that you received as a child when you – like if you can think back to maybe asking that and imagine how your mom or would respond to it. Well, what that was why – yeah, my brother always talks about that, how like when she would lay down these rules that seemed totally unfair and we would question them, it was like, well, you know, sort of like, don't blame me. It's God. God told us to do this. So uh-huh. how in the heck am I going to negotiate with God? <laughs> he sort of has the upper hand. Wow. Yeah. And so it does take the pressure off her because it's like, I didn't say don't have sex before marriage. God did. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I don't know. And it, what the unintended consequence of that may be is losing a little bit of autonomy and like the power like even maybe for the person using those kind of yeah phrases but there's and, probably some relief you know how like oh 100% you know it's, you don't have to think freedom. about it yeah uh, sorry if you hear a bunch of weird spooky scraping noises that seem very 666 episode <laughs> appropriate it's super windy today <gasps> and the dead tree right in front not dead the fall tree uh-huh. No leaves on it mm-hmm. is scraping against the window. That is and spooky. It sounds like somebody's hook, like dragging yeah. across the floor. Ooh, urban legend. 
I'll tell you what is not an urban legend, but is legendary, and that is the service of Trumi Wireless. Hello. Heck yeah. Heck this yeah. is how you protect those kitties from crazy people, places, and things online, because <laughs> there's so right? many of them. If you're like, I don't want my kid listening to that satanic music, Ugh. well, <laughs> you can. we use... have the solution for you. Well, because the actual truth is we were afraid of all that stuff unnecessarily, but now there actually are <laughs> threats. Which is pretty no much joke. the entire really internet. <laughs> and Trumi has a phone that makes it safe for kids so they aren't uh, exposed to a freaking porn or predators or bullies. Mm. And you, as the parent, are in control. And you have a portal where you decide what they're able to do, when they're able to do it, what apps they're able to use. And the, the, the apps that Trumi has are all vetted and safe and you can have peace of mind because it can be very overwhelming. And let me tell you, there's not a lot of good options. No, there aren't. And it's hard to like, you know, go through all those setting things yourself and just mm-hmm. delete. No, no, no. And, and the kids find the workarounds. Yep, that's true. And like, this is just makes you feel like, okay, they can have the fun because you want them to be able to have the fun yeah. stuff and yeah. to play the games and do whatever. Um but then you know they're not going to be looking at weirdness or being approached by weirdos. Um, and it can help them with their schoolwork. A lot of stuff now re- requires technology. So oh, you yeah. have to go in and handle it. Um, and our friend Modern Dad is the one that it helped us with this because we love him. And that's how we became familiar with TrueMe. They have a deal for our listeners, which I'm so thankful for. TrueMe.com slash candy. If you use code CANDY, you'll get $75 off the purchase of any TrueMe device. That's code CANDY for $75 off the purchase of any TrueMe device. They're really high quality, too. Like, your kid's not going to destroy it. Um, And they're just such a great option, and you will love them. And you know what I also – I took a look at that they look like – they're not like the phones that look like – toy phones or like little, you know yeah. that the kids are like i don't want to use that because that yes yeah this, this is, is like all the features phone. like you get the, the the camera action and all the stuff they want but without you know looking without like... the worry yes yeah okay um and then okay let me wrap up this satanic panic oh yeah even dungeons and dragons like my mom was super my mom was super weird about that now it's Is it like just the name, right? It's like that's what all those kids probably do now. Well, and if I said to her, like, how do you play Dungeons and Dragons? She would not know. Right. There would be no answer, but something, yeah, it must have been the name. Who, or whatever. who is the decider? Like, who is it? One mom who then it, like uses the phone tree, <laughs> yeah, and then like the prayer all... chain, yeah, yeah, the prayer chain. What is what happens? That, like, we've all decided, like, the same ones. It's like the op, it's like what we talked about child lore, but this is like Christian lore. mom lore. Yeah, mom lore. Well, and then one of the biggest people involved in spreading this was um, Jerry Falwell Sr., who started the Moral Majority and founded Liberty University. And he was the guy who, after 9 11, said that 9 11 happened because of like gay people and, and oh, feminists and sake. stuff. Oh, God. But this leads me to my next topic, which is the um, God Forbid documentary on Hulu about Jerry Falwell Jr. Hmm. So, Jerry Falwell Sr. was the one that 
started the Moral Majority and Liberty University. Jerry Fowell Jr. Uh, was running Liberty University, and he has always been, like, very involved in everything, but he's not a pastor. Like, he never got ordained. He was more of a business guy, and Mm-hmm. They credited him with bringing the uh, university out of debt and making like billions of dollars. And he got caught in a freaking awesome scandal a couple years ago. And oh. it like slowly trickled in the info. And I was like, it was delicious. Ah, yes. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Because the only thing that I don't care what you're doing in your bedroom, I do not. <laughs> You have a grand old time. Bring whoever yeah. in there that you want. What is delicious is the hypocrisy. Because oh, if you yes. go to Liberty University, they have a handbook called the Liberty Way. And the Liberty Way fines people and punishes people for swearing, <gasps> drinking, being in the room with a person of the opposite sex. God, I would owe so much money at the semester. Like, you cannot be in a room with a boy alone. So dumb. Period. Even if you're praying or whatever. <laughs> and so he, this guy was, his wife and he were in Florida and they, she spotted this 20-year-old pool attendant, or as he became known, the pool boy. And oh, she my God. Uh, propositioned him and was like, come back to my hotel room. And he was like, okay. And she was like, one thing, though, my husband has to watch. And so <gasps> oh, they were kinking it up, man. The whole cuckolding thing. Yep. Jerry Falwell Jr. is allegedly a cuckold. And yeah. uh, this is, you know, at the same time. Not, okay. So the the handbook, Liberty Way, that's all a problem. The hypocrisy is disgusting. But we have since learned the ways that that culture made it so that women who were uh, assaulted at Liberty were – one woman came forward and instead of punishing her rapist, they punished her for drinking. <gasps> right? So this is a way that we can penalize women just, yeah. you know – Instead of holding the their male counterparts accountable for, you know, their crimes, their actual felonies. Because I bet in that handbook it didn't say don't sexually assault. <laughs> You're not allowed Jeez. to have sex. That's true. You're not allowed to have yeah. sex. But I'm sure that they don't mention specifically that. Yeah. So anyway, this poor guy. And I think because his name is, um, his name is, let me look up. I don't, his name is John Carlos Granda. The book I just mm-hmm. read is called oh, Off the wow. Deep Deep End. It's about the same thing, but the documentary is called God Forbid. I think because he had a Cuban name or a mm. Latin, Latin name and he was a pool boy, there was this sort of perception that he's just like, right? I don't know. That character from The Birdcage. Oh yeah, Frank Azaria's character, however you say his name, and that they're like kinking it up with this guy, but that he's like not—he has no agency of his own. He's just sort of like this accessory to nonsense. But he's like a nice guy whose life basically was ruined by this, and they roped him into all these crazy um, business deals. Like they went into business with him. This is the craziest part of it, Sarah. Is that? 
it's one thing if you just want to bang the pool boy and your husband watches. Hmm. She mm-hmm. she became his girlfriend. Like she would talk to him for an hour a day and say I love you and stuff. And she's a forty mm. something year old or fifty something year old woman with kids the same age as the pool boy, and she's telling this guy. Yeah, she this loves feels him. really gross, and this feels controlling, and like. And when the pool boy wouldn't write back not enough, okay. like fast enough, Jerry would then text and be like, "My wife is crying because you haven't mm. texted her back." It's like cuckoo crazy. What? Right? That is. Can you that imagine? That is. No, not when I've you're never heard not of when you're like living that. that not when you're living such double lives. Like that that's got to do something for the psyche. The where you're like two people. Yeah. Yeah. We do not do well when we uh present one way to the world and live another way. Like our personal identity and social identity are so in conflict. Mhm. That makes a really not so peaceful existence. Yeah. And makes you do a lot of judging of others. I mean, the real, I mean, the the kinky stuff is what grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. But really, the important part is that Jerry Falwell's relationship, Jerry and his wife's relationship with this man ultimately became known to Trump's fixer, Michael Cohen. Oh, wow. And allegedly was used as a way to secure Jerry Falwell's endorsement of Trump in 2016. What? And then because Jerry Falwell endorsed Trump, all the evangelicals are like, oh, well, I guess we're voting for Trump. And then he became president. So, like, this tryst mm-hmm. and cuckolding <laughs> became oh consequential on a global wow. level. And that is just insane to me. So Holy crap. It's really not a small thing. One couple's kink brought down a nation. <laughs> yeah. No offense to my sister Renee who is listening and disagrees with me. <laughs> I'm just reporting the the facts here of what happened. Yes. Um, anyway, it's like, yeah, he had to resign and stuff, but there are gazillionaires and like, yeah, their real, life is it's like, fine. Okay, so no, yeah, right. Nothing really happens. You should watch the doc I, though. It is. I will. I love, I really love a good, like the, like the old toe tapping guy, the guy who like hated the gays. And then, uh, was caught in the bathroom, like tapping his toe oh, under the stall, yes. and then was like giving politicians and like, yeah, you love a self-loather. Love one of those stories, yeah. There's a, a fair number of those because because yeah. that's what happens. Yeah, well, and especially because Jerry Falwell Senior was the guy who basically decried gay marriage and Jeez. basically what they considered to be sexual perversion. Well, well, tell it to the pool boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll tell you what I tell uh, to the uh, pool boy. I'm rubber your glue or whatever <laughs> I say. Uh, I don't have a good segue, but Everly Well doesn't need a, an amazing segue. They just are amazing. Regardless. They are amazing. And we can say, if you want 
the truth and real answers. <laughs> yeah. Everlywell is an amazing company that provides at-home lab tests. It sounds so fancy, but it's so easy. You just like right. get a teeny bit on uh, from your finger, send it off, and a couple days later you find out if you have like food sensitivities and what they right. are. You can find out, you know, you can do a celiac disease screening test, mm-hmm. uh, the women's health option. They have a metabolism option. And I love doing it because I find it really empowering to know what's cooking in my body, which otherwise, if you went to the doctor, it takes forever. It's expensive. And it's like getting pieces of the puzzle that help paint a full picture or like create a full picture of what your health is. Yes. And I know people start thinking about that around the holidays because they're thinking about the next year. And so this will be a great oh, stocking yeah. stuffer. You could put a, one of their tests in there for your family yeah. members. They can find out what what they got going on and help and their health goals. And kind of nice to do it with the family members because sometimes you can just be like, oh, I have the same symptoms. Yes, probably the same thing. So kind of like two for one deal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, gift- we're close enough genetically. We're probably the same. <laughs> the gift of health has never been so easy to share than it is this holiday for listeners of the show. Everlywell is offering a discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash brain candy. That's everlywell.com slash brain candy for 20% off your next at-home lab test, everlywell.com slash brain candy. It's, you reminded me when you said that about family members. You know how I'm obsessed with the ABCs of skin cancer? Uh-huh. I do you know, and I'm always like telling people to go get checked. And, mm-hmm. you know, every year you should do a scan at the dermatologist, see if there's any new moles or whatever. And um, my ho- my family's into this. And so my mom had found like a little, te- she calls it a splinter, like a tiny little splinter on her shoulder. But anytime it would like, because it's under the bra strap. So you know how sometimes they knock it off and then it would fall off. Yeah. But then yeah. it would come back. And she thought that was weird that it would come back. So she got it tested. And it turned out it was skin cancer. <gasps> a teeny tiny, little teeny tiny thing. Well, good. So, she, you know, they dig it out and, you know, you're good as new as long as you catch it early and they can eliminate it. And thankfully they did, which basically Dang. means I'm doomed because both of my both of my parents had skin cancer. I mean, we're a very white family. Yeah. You can just, just – but you're doing your due diligence. You're, yeah. So just as a reminder, if you were waiting for like a sign, this is your sign to check your skin, anything that seems funky, check those ABCs. Or and, tag us uh, in your photos on Instagram. <laughs> what, I, sometimes I hope Lincoln becomes a dermatologist so I can hear about like the crazy oh skin God, shit people have. would be the have. best. Wouldn't it? Yeah. He loves a good skin anomaly. I know that. He's inherited okay, this interest. Can, the, okay. This is good. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to do what I can to plant some seeds. Hey, I forgot to tell you, and I bet you didn't listen to it. Adam wrote and recorded and sang... A theme song for my old gossip segments. Oh my God! <laughs> you will die when you hear I it. I cannot wait to hear it. And I when well, we I'm going to go back to the episode, last episode where we did where we did it last Thursday. I think I forget. Yeah, I'll have to send you the clip though because it is a riot. This song oh God, I can't wait to hear that lyrics and music by Adam Butler. Ah, anyway, so um, okay. The next thing I wanted to talk about is. Well, just you should also watch the documentary on Netflix called Killer Sally. Oh, I have heard this from multiple people now. That was really good. I won't Mm -hmm. talk about it too much, but it was just about this bodybuilder woman 
who mm-hmm. was married to a bodybuilder man and she killed mm-hmm. him. And it was just a discussion about what happened there. And it's cool because yeah. it's a subculture that I'm not really familiar with that bodybuilding yeah. world. And yeah. it's ways of fascinating, you know, just Ooh, those okay. ladies and their strange, like body types in mm-hmm. comparison to what like women are sort of encouraged to look like and mm-hmm. how they don't, they just, go a different way and what that means so it's really good there's part of me that you know and it would have to understand like intention oh like why they're doing it yeah but sometimes some of the massive bodybuilding stuff can lean a little on body dysmorphia (laughs) yes yeah yeah no doubt about that yeah yeah. Well, you know how the, the, what is it, Thomas Jefferson or whoever that's, or Ben Franklin, I think, like everything in moderation, in, yeah. including moderation. I mean, it's just <laughs> true. Like anytime someone does an extreme thing, I'm always mm-hmm. like wanting them to curb their enthusiasm. Like let's, <laughs> let's tone it down let's, a little bit. That's a little much. balance. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So watch that if you're interested. It's really good. Um, okay. This, I... Uh, do you want to hear? All right. This was in the Atlantic and it was just about like, I don't know, just the, how much we share and how like social media means. I, that, would, like, I saved this and I was, was going to really send good. it to you. Is it on sharing and boundaries and like, yeah. Did you new- read it? I didn't because I, I just like, like pinned it. Like you want, I want to read this later kind of thing. Yes. But just the headline caught me and made me think about you. <laughs> why did it Because you're always think- like, why are they? Sh- I, I was listening to uh, one of our early episodes yeah. for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Or not Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. For uh, uh, Things We Got Wrong. Yeah. And um, I was thinking about how you were saying, like, what what is that with people who overshare on, like, you know. I mean, uh, I love it when happening? people do because it's so cringy and great. Like when people, mainly when they're going through a divorce or something like that, it's the yeah. best. I cannot get enough yeah. of it. I always know when the Tinder profiles are ones of people who just recently Why broke would up they say? Divorce. Oh, they're so good. They're, they're always like, I do not want anyone who de-. they're very like c- sure of what they don't want, which is a list of who their ex was. And it's oh very my- <laughs> I love that. And this was sort of talking about how historically there've been like concrete rules about etiquette in that like let's say you remember how there used to be like let's say you don't go you you go to a wedding how do you can you do you have to bring the present to the wedding or whatever right. it used to be like you have a whole year to and you're still allowed to like and then be acceptable like there was all these like official rules yeah. and then yeah. you send a thank you card and then it, bah, bah, bah. Right. and that now things have become very blurry and it's become very much more about like it depends, you know, like you're supposed to try to judge intention and like, did someone do something thoughtfully or were they inconsiderate? And it's kind of blurry. And what it means is like some people share everything and some people are very private. And then you may put something on Instagram stories, but like, you don't want your boss to see it, but like everything's public. And so there's not these spheres where like, this is appropriate here, but it is not appropriate here. And you can separate them. Like everything is all mixed up together. Like for That's instance, true. when I, sometimes when I post to my stories, I might think like, I hope Sarah sees this, like she'll laugh at this, but then some other person will, will end up seeing it that maybe wouldn't think it's funny. 
and how like usually when you post something you have yeah. maybe an intended audience but like right like the the joke that you'd make at the uh company you know christmas party is very different than the joke that you're going to make with your high school friends sitting right. around yeah the dinner table at your own house yeah and and people some people want to to hear your dirty secrets and then other people are just like on Instagram because they want cat videos and next thing you know that you're disclosing that like you have covid and your butthole's on fire whatever <laughs> it's just might not be welcome yeah and i don't know huh. it's i thought it was an interesting conversation because the way that things used to be where there was like more strict rules also right. like enabled secrets that were toxic i felt like yeah and don't you feel like that's kind of rooted in like patriarchal things and like a kind of christian or some sort of like religious like moral like yeah. what this reminds me of is a lot of like those cotillion kind of rules like the this is how – it feels very white and waspy to me. Well, and how, like, it pointed out how if you and I were to talk about something sexual, it wouldn't be as offensive – seen as offensive as, like, if a gay person shared the details of their sex life because <laughs> there's still weird stigmas and stuff that are yeah. not put on the quote-unquote norm – Right? Mm -hmm. So, like, sure, whiteness, maleness, heteronormativity, it's all mm -hmm. treated differently. Totally. And there's, like, different rules depending on which group you're in. Yeah. You guys aren't allowed to share this, but these kind of people. Oh, we talked about in the last episode. I feel like grabbing your crotch is an example. <laughs> exactly. You know? Right? Like, it's one thing Touching for a your man genitals. to do it. Men, allowed to. It's mm -hmm. normal. I'm adjusting myself. If I had adjusted my boobs, just stuck my hand on my shirt and like, or just adjust them, people are like, what are, you, what are you doing groping yourself? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing groping yourself? It you know, was pointing roles. out like how, even, like these things, there's a moving target because even when postcards were invented, they were seen as like, oh no, this could be an invitation of being too casual with people. Like postcards. because oh, we got rid of letters. Oh. And I thought it was so funny because in the same paragraph where it mentions postcards and then it immediately goes into reality TV and talk shows of like, <laughs> and we started disclosing these private, our private lives yeah. on television. I'm like, wow, postcards to like the real, real world. TV. Right. <laughs> right. Do you, I feel like there's this, it, it took me a while to learn that because a lot of my life was shared and was open and on display or yes. whatevs, uh, that I then had to continue to share all those things with new people that came into my life. Hmm. Like I owed it to them or in some way because other people had access to this information, now they get to too. And it took me a while to realize, no, just because I said it on mm -hmm. TV then does not mean that I have to let everybody know about it now. Yeah. Do you think that... I mean, generally, don't you think people enjoy your particular approach to self? Like, you reveal a lot about yourself. And I think yeah. it's great. But, like, do you think other people are like, oh, keep it to yourself, lady? I, there, I think there, it, it's in certain groups. Like, it's more with the 
intimate relationships and close relationships, like where I, I letting people know about things that happen to you that affect maybe how you are in a relationship. Yeah. Like you don't have to keep announcing it. Yeah. Yeah. And you also don't have to let people know of details that are not comfortable for anybody to hear. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe you you were fine sharing the details 10 years ago with certain groups, but you might not be now with this person. And now it feels like I'm more aware of like secondary traumatization of like what happens when you tell somebody about things that aren't Mm. good. You You can feel too exposed sometimes. Yeah, and then it's also not fair to them. It feels like dumping it on them, which I now recognize is not fair to do to somebody who, you know, maybe isn't ready to hear whatever that is. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I think maybe I would. There's a part of me that would like do it not for shock value, but to because it's all truth, but to maybe make up for or like to get some of like that comfort and uh, recognition for how shitty it was that I didn't get back when shitty things were happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I think like, Oh, I know maybe if somebody really understands now it'll make up for people not understanding before, but that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I think we're probably the wrong people to even talk about it because we're obviously in a group of people that are more open to sharing (laughs) than maybe a typical human being. So probably I would be interested in different categories. I don't maybe, maybe not. You think, well, people really do like talking about themselves. I know that. They do. And they're okay with sharing. I think also like maybe you and I, open the door to that kind of, because we do it, then we encourage other people to. Well, and I ask inappropriate questions. Which I love. <laughs> I know that that definitely does not, is not always welcomed, but I can't, I can't resist. I just, ha- I have a natural curiosity. I know. It's so funny. It's good for a laugh. Uh- VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Um, there was a great New York Times little, it was a video, it wasn't a documentary, it was just like a video story and it was mm-hmm. about stuttering. Oh, And yeah. it was about um, the people who have a stutter of those people, 20% of them never lose it. You know, they take it into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And um, the video was so great because they said there's this machine and that the machine can remove all three of the types of stuttering, which I'm going to forget what they are, but one is like blocks where you like mm-hmm. can't get it anything can't out. Can't get it out. Prolongations are when the middle of the word is um, extended. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one that's where you can't use the first part of the word is bup, 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 mm-hmm. bup. Yeah. And this machine will remove them all. So they had this guy on who is a stutterer. And uh, it, he, they had him call one of those things that's voice activated. Where they'd be like, mm. who do you want to talk to? Do you want to talk to the pharmacy or the front desk yeah. or whatever? Those and, are difficult for me without a stutter. <laughs> and before he could even say a syllable, it 
would be like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. And you like, you felt how he must feel. And then they removed all the different types of stuttering from his speech and had him talk about what it's like to have a stutter. So this is now you're watching a guy who seems just like us, just regular talking. And then at the end of the video, they said like, this machine doesn't exist. You know, that the, the thing that could remove that awkwardness is you, the listener, that you just sit there and don't finish their sentence. Don't guess what they're going to say. Don't coach them and say, just breathe, just relax. It all makes it worse. Yeah. And you just sit there. I even noticed this with Adam. My husband doesn't have a stutter, but he is dyslexic and he is much slower to speak than, than me or Sarah or most people. And people are impatient. And as a result, he almost never gets to speak when we're out Mm. because he cannot get a word in. And when he does start to talk, it's at a slower pace than people are used Mm -hmm. to. And they just zone out and, and move on. So I can only imagine what it's like for a stutterer, you know, because it really sucks, (laughs) you know, to be that person, to feel like you're not being listened to. And imagine like the job prospects for somebody who goes in for an interview. Their resume is great, but then they mm-hmm. have that stilting mm-hmm. cadence. And yeah, we have no patience. Really it, it's terrible. We need more and it needs to be something that, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, so much representation matters. And the way people with stutters are often represented in media is like that it somehow affects your intellectual capacity or abilities, which is not the case at all. And so it's like education, exposure, and people need this too. Mm-hmm. All kinds of people. Even so uh, just I remember when that happened process with Biden. things in a different way. Yeah. Because he used to have a stutter and sometimes it still emerges mm-hmm. and there was like a lot of discussion about that I remember during the campaign mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. um but yeah for 20% of them I mean that's not going away that's just something they have to live with yeah it was a great illustration though I really liked watching yeah, it sounds like a good one so that's my like story a good reminder to people to have that yeah. patience yeah zip it donkeys it's okay <laughs> slow down maybe it's just like a good reminder for all of us to just yeah slow just down let people finish yeah. Take their time. Let's wind it down. I'm like classic interrupter, so I well, work on that every day. You say you say ADHD help or makes you like where you guess I mean yeah, like I when get I, impulsive about So like, you'll what will you do? You'll in your brain you'll do what? I don't know. Um, I just interrupt people a lot. Oh, okay. So that I see. That's different. But I also think I do. I think my brain does guess what they're going to say next, or guess what. Like, What's try coming? not to finish people's sentences. Well, we can all improve, can't we? Yeah. Um, I hope this was satanic enough for all of you. Spooky. I mean, even after Halloween. There was Satanic a panic man. There's a great documentary. I think it's called Hell, and it's about Satanism, and it it did a good job of showing how like most people that have, are associated with that are doing it as yeah. sort of like a statement against yes. like 
religion and yes. mixed with government. It's not really like yes. you're worshiping. Isn't that, that was my understanding of what the Church of Satan guy was doing, too, of like to point out that, okay, fine, if you get tax break yeah. for this, then we're a church. Now we get a tax break and we're right. just going to hang out and like. And if you put the Ten Commandments at the city hall, then you got to put like this fucking whatever, yeah. Satan yeah. porn or something. I yeah. don't know what they did. I like when they try to do those kind of things. I'm like, yeah, I'm for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, satanic panic's not really gone. It's just changed into a different panic that it doesn't rhyme. Yeah. So it's not as catchy. Yeah. Now, and is it always just a, a resurgence of this around Halloween in this time of year? It feels like probably all you witches like get out your sage and your blood and vials or whatever you and have. All of a sudden the evangelical <laughs> Christians are like, Oh no, she's back. She's back. And then Jerry Falwell, he takes the edge off by, like, watching his wife get pounded. Oh, my God. And brings down. Oh, boy. <laughs> by the poor. Brings down the, and brings down the, brings US, down of the a, U.S. of A. And, um, and then TMI. I love, I love a conversation about TMI and how culture changes. I will say, maybe not in regards to TMI, but I do wish that we had more formality still. Like, I wish people got dressed up too. for stuff. Or I do, too. Like, there's so many, like... I really think that the airplane thing messed us up. Where people started wearing their jammies? Well, yeah, but you had to because the airplanes started becoming so uncomfortable. When yeah. they, like, there's, um, people right now are fighting to make a new FAA regulation that has a minimum seat space. Yeah. Because there were some research that was done saying that, um, you know, pe- having people crammed into such small spaces increases tension and aggression and frustration and things like that. So some of like the things that were ha- that are happening on planes could be a result of that. And right now, the only regulations they have or only requirements or rules says you have to be able to exit the plane within 90 seconds from wherever you're seated. But besides that, there's nothing that says how small the seat you need. It's Dumb. infuriating. Super infuriating. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Basically, once planes got deregulated, everything yeah. went to hell. Yeah. And now nobody dresses up for anything. Yeah, man. For anything. Even at church, they're like, whoo, they're wearing like, you know, jammies. And COVID didn't help either. COVID didn't help anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, all right, let's move on. Send me my baking skills. I <laughs> yeah, that's true. It did help sourdough production. Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, all right, people. We'll see you next time. Thanks for always supporting us and using our codes and checking out our merch and being a patron. Yeah, and we thank you, you so much for your amazing reviews. You guys are leaving. Yes, lately. we love we you. We love you. Those five-star reviews mean the world too much. We read every single one. So thank, thank you. you. We love you. Bye.